0: Welcome. You're listening to a Mr. Thrive Media Production.
1: Well, this is a unique experience. I bring to you Sandra D. Robinson. Sandra is a life coach, a speaker, and an author with a background in acting. She had an exciting career, which you're going to hear all about. But the intrigue does not stop there. As you'll see in this episode, Sandra loves horses, and you're gonna learn about how she incorporates these beautiful animals into what she does. I couldn't be more excited for you to hear her story. As for the artist upsurge, I couldn't be more excited for this project that we are working on behind the scenes. Stay involved in the Facebook group. We're gonna be announcing it very soon. Stay tuned. Until then, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. You have stumbled upon the Mr. Thrive Podcast, where together we discover
2: established artist, communication and leadership coach, Sandra D. Robinson. Sandra, welcome
1: to the podcast. How are you doing today?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: I am doing terrific. I (laughs) met you through the C-Suite Network. You have this incredible energy. You bring a lot to the table with what you do. Can you tell me what a leadership and communications coach does exactly?
2: Leadership and communication coach. I labeled myself that because I actually help people to find that piece of themselves that seems to be missing. So, generally speaking, I'm working with successful, brilliant, successful people that are missing something. That something comes down to a form of their identity, it's a piece of them that is no longer there. So, for instance, somebody that is leading a company. And relationships are starting to falter because they've forgotten what some of their actual God-given gifts are that people love them for. So it could be their humor. It could be their artistic capabilities. And they've fallen so much into the rut of the everyday life that when they are now being pressed to enter into a new relationship, it could be actually for their business and marketing. It could be um, it could be a transition into a new company. It could be some something that's actually bringing them to take a look at themselves and feel like themselves, remember how awesome they are. And that's when I come in. So originally I was helping people to be on camera. My background is, is in acting. And so after all those years of working in network TV, that was the easy transition, help somebody get on video and communicate that way. It's really about relationship, right? And then uh, it sort of morphed into helping those same people conquer the stage. And I love to do that even now. And as you probably know, there is one other very unusual aspect to my business when it comes to the leadership and communication in particular. I work with horses and a very natural approach to communication and leadership, and they are my co-coaches. And I do those retreats um, by special request and only a few times a year here in Austin and in Colorado. So those are are kind of the thing that makes me a little different in that field.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I have no doubt you bring a very unique value proposition. I've never heard any coach say that they bring their horses to come in as the co-coaches. I think that's really, yeah, yeah, there we go. I love that. So it's a, it's a clever concept and I, I really want to join you on one of these retreats one day, even though it's mainly geared towards women right now for, for the empowerment of women.
2: It, it is, you know, we originated it geared towards women. Yes, it, it was at the languaging. If you go to my site, it seems very much not exclusive to men, but it is specifically geared towards that niche. The interesting thing is there is this is beautiful that I think there's a lot of companies, corporations that are now searching for something for their people, for their team building experiences. If they take their companies on retreats they're looking for something that is different that is more nature oriented and so i am actually getting phone calls from people as far away from texas as new york city and they're booking they're booking retreats for their for their teams and i think that's an awesome thing that's happening because that means that they're focusing more on mental health and on emotional intelligence and and relationship building and communication and i think that's that's awesome
1: that's imperative for sure that means you're doing something right if you're getting people all the way from new york for sure but as yeah. you mentioned your experience prior is in TV. You, you did yes. a lot of TV back in the day. You were an actor. Uh, you've, you've gotten to work with some pretty big figures. Who are some of those figures that you used to work
2: with? Oh, gosh. Well, it's funny because I, I primarily, like most of my income came from working in daytime TV. So if you're a daytime fan, you may know a lot of the people that I worked with. But if you're not a daytime fan... And a lot of those shows are off the air now. So, I mean, Sunset Beach I was on, it's off the air. Another World I spent nine years on, that is off the air. Bold and the Beautiful is still on the air. So there's that one. Uh, that was a very fun show. General Hospital still on the air. There are many um, actors that I worked with there that have hopped from show to show. We jokingly used to say it's very incestuous in daytime. So I had, it, it is, right? And then I've done some nighttime things and that, that was always fun. So I'd get to do guest star things and it would be like a single serving, you know, where I do one episode or two episodes or three episodes of a nighttime show. And yeah, I, I always think that it's interesting to meet the person that carries like a sitcom or something because they have a talent that obviously and a charisma that obviously keeps them in that role. And so I always found it interesting to meet those people.
1: Oh, I I I I can't imagine. Uh, I know for a fact that you once worked with Halle Berry. What did you think of Halle Berry when you met her?
2: Oh, okay. So I didn't work so much with Halle. We shared the same manager for many years. So I met her. I I met her. Yeah, I met her in uh, the pageant world. Actually, I was. We were. We both were in a teen. Oh my gosh, what was it called now? Teen All-American, I think it was. She won. I was a runner-up. And then we went to Miss USA. I was there at Miss USA the year before she was. So I actually helped to crown her Miss Ohio when she became Miss Ohio. Right about that next year, I went to New York, met my manager. He told me, he goes, you know, I'm looking for somebody. And he explained the qualities that he was looking for. And I said, I know a girl in Ohio and he tracked her down and he brought her up to New York and she started working almost right away in film. So we instantly had two different trajectories, uh, but she's a lovely human being. I'm just, I, I still think that, you know, very, very highly of her. And she's a great mom. She's a hard, hard-working woman. And she has a new movie out now. You know, you should check that out. She plays a, like a WWF fighter, like a, a I don't know if that's the right term. Actually, now I'm thinking about it, but it's, she's like a, Mixed martial arts? I think that's it. Okay.
1: Well, very cool. Yeah. We're yeah. going to learn a lot more about that right now in today's season three warm up trivia. Are you ready uh, to be uh-oh. questioned about Halle Berry? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I love the hesitation. Please don't worry. We're all having fun here. Everyone always gets at least one right, okay? So okay. here we go. Question one. What instrument does Halle Berry know how to play? Is it A, the trumpet, B, the tuba, C, the flute, or D, the piano?
2: I'm going to say piano.
1: Say piano? Now, I, too, could see someone like Halle Berry play the piano, but unfortunately, that is incorrect. She actually is uh, a flute uh, person. Oh, that was
2: actually the first thing in my mind.
1: Uh, Oh, bummer. I You know, I, I... Put her in a music video with a piano, and I don't think anyone would bat an eye. But I think if people (laughs) saw publicly that she was playing the flute, or better yet, the tuba, my God. Yeah, right? That
2: that imagery was just wrong. I couldn't get that one. Right,
1: right. (laughs) I was trying to think, what's the complete opposite of Halle Berry? And it's definitely a tuba. Question two. (laughs) Which of these movies was Halle Berry's directorial debut? Is it A, Bruised, B, The Flintstones, C, Queen... Or D, the rich man's wife.
2: Oh, I wouldn't have guessed any of those. Oh, um,
0: bruised.
1: Correct. You got it. Nicely done. Yeah, Thanks. that movie. Uh, that movie is is doing fairly well. It's on Netflix. You can go check it out. Bruised by Halle yes. Berry.
2: I forgot because she had produced before, but that was actually her first directorial. That's right. That's why I was surprised. I'm like, wait, oh no, she was producer. That's right. So yeah, good question.
1: Of course. Question three. Which disability does Halle Berry have? Is it A, she's sensitive to light? B, she's hard of hearing? C, she has a speech impediment? Or D, she cannot pronounce certain letters of the alphabet?
2: Wow. Um, I don't know of any of those.
1: <laughs> I didn't know either until this. I, um, I was really, I was blown away by that.
2: I don't think, I don't think speech impediment, which would be the same thing as not being able to pronounce certain letters. Hard of hearing. Oh, she did break her eardrums. So I'm going to go with hard of hearing.
1: Correct. Yes. She has lost 80% of her hearing in uh, one of her ears. And that yeah. was lost during the the filming of this movie called The Last Boy Scout in 1991. Yep. So, kind of interesting remember. stuff that you would never think uh, in regards to Halle Berry. But she is a unique person and absolutely wonderful. And what a privilege it is that you had the chance to do these beauty pageants with her and uh, get on, yeah. get on the road with that. So that's fantastic. Yeah,
2: really. I, I'm. We're still in touch with our manager. He is kind of retired, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, in a way, although I just talked to him and he says he's coming back. So he just can't sit still. He's back, baby. We were were with him (laughs) for the, uh, really up until, um, 2020. Okay. Yeah pretty much. Yeah. The two of us. Now, have you do you She was older than me, so she was 19 and I was 18. So that's a long time to be working with somebody.
1: Sure. Oh my god, absolutely. Um I feel like especially in the beauty world, most relationships don't last that long, do they?
2: No. No, not not in in the television world. No, but I mean our manager was a good guy for both her and I. I think he was kind of like a father figure in oh, some ways. I love that.
1: Yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah. Wow. And and so to have you and Hallie ever kept in, in touch in a casual way, the way that you and your manager do?
2: You know, kind of through him, I find out what's going on. Um, maybe we got some messages back and forth. I, if I was in town and she was doing a premiere or something, you know, he would drive me along and I'd see her and we'd have a super quick chat. But, you know, it was never like, hey, let's sit down and hang out kind of thing, which is, you know, but always, always super gracious and, you know, very, very elegant. Sure. Very now, elegant.
1: now, when you entered the film industry and, and started doing TV, I guess the film industry and TV were pretty separate. They were pretty uh, alienated at that time. But, you know, did you ever have that feeling of of seeing someone that was big and, and suddenly your heart kind of skipped a beat that you kind of got starstruck? Or were you totally desensitized to it when you started?
2: Uh, I had surprising people that, that got me off kilter.
1: How, yeah. Who? Anyone we anyone know? Um,
2: well, uh, first of all, there were some people that I met. I think I would have to say that Harrison Ford, for some reason, seems to me to be the most charming one. Mm. Really? Uh, yes. I was so, sitting, he he seems so grumpy. No, not at all. Not at all. He he was a sweetheart. and And I was sitting at an awards gala, and he was actually receiving an award, if I'm not mistaken, and our friend was giving him the award. So... We're all seated at the table, and Harrison comes walking in, and you know the guys greet each other, and then he puts his hand out, and says, "Hi, I'm Harrison." I was like, "Yeah,"
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, it's like kind of obvious, bigger than life, um, super charming. But I think if I meet somebody that's and, and I'm trying now desperately to remember the actor's name, I'm having a total blank on it. But he was in the original Odd Couple, like the one from the '70s, I think it was. Oh yeah, the TV show. Okay. So I remember being really little and I was a latchkey kid and and we didn't have cable. So there would be these old reruns and I would watch that show because it was on TV when I was waiting for my mother to get home. And I ended up meeting him quite by accident and making a complete fool of myself um, because I didn't know what to say. He was the guy that I used to watch when I was like four years old. You know what Um, I mean? (laughs) Are you talking about Walter Matthau? What's that? Are you
1: talking about Walter Matthau or Jack Lemmon?
2: No, not no, not that far back. Not the not the original movie. I'm talking about the TV series.
1: Oh, okay. My bad. Oops. Never mind. Yeah.
2: The TV series. He was the super clean guy.
1: Got okay. Uh was it? I'm I'm looking it up right it. now. I'm not pretending like I'm doing this up. off the brain here. Uh, cuz so I'm we
2: were we were both doing a charity event. So we were both on celebrity teams, different celebrity teams for this basketball charity event, you know, and we were, they were changing teams and I ran into him and the woman that I was with didn't even know that he was a celebrity. She was, it was so funny. She just knew him as the guy from the gym. So they start chatting away and I'm looking up at him like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I muttered something awful that was like, I tripped over my words. I was like, I just, I just been watching. I mean, you're, I, I love, I really like your work. I've been watching you since I was, <laughs> you know? And then they tap me on the shoulder, like, Miss Sandra, you have to get, you know, I have to get in place. And he looks at me and he goes, you're a celebrity team. <laughs> because I was like such an idiot. <laughs> and, and was, was,
1: like, was it Tony, Tony Randall or Jack Klugman? Yes, Tony Randall. Tony Randall, Tony Randall. okay, wow. Yes. That's really, that's very yes. cool, okay.
2: I, I tripped all over myself. It was really, really funny. I and mean, I, I would never have said that that would be a big deal for me to meet him. But, you know, I guess it's how people feel whenever they would meet me when I was on a soap opera because I was in their living room every single day. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. It's different from a film star. A film star, and now they're sort of the same, right, because of the way we're watching things. But then it was a film star you would really feel like you could walk up to, that you actually knew them but soap opera people, talk show hosts, you kind of felt like you did know them. No,
1: so. it's very interesting. I mean, did you ever expect to see the world of TV and film and the impact that they have on society get so blurred? Along, by the way, with the short-form content that we have, like there's a lot of lines are getting blurred in terms of what counts as what anymore. What is a TV show? What is a film? Hell, what, right. what, what is even a podcast? Because even I, I can go on like, what I I, I will end up always like, you know, looking at TV in a sports bar, and I'll see ESPN replays going on. You see two guys behind a desk with microphones talking about the this week's replays in sports. And the reality is, that's a podcast in my mind. They just don't call yes. it a podcast. So it's like, it's like, exactly. what? What are these lines that we're blurring here? Did you ever think that you'd see no, that day? I-
2: that's it. I have a partner of mine who is in Dallas, Texas, and he encourages people that want to do their own podcast to do it on video and He comes from a network television background. so let me tell you, you walk through his studios, you sit in those chairs, you want your own show because it's lit like Oprah. They look fantastic. It is network quality shows, and it's listed as podcast studio. There is no difference. you're so right, jazz. There's no difference at all
1: and it's it really is amazing how you know, someone at home who is doing this for much cheaper than what a studio can do, who is doing this with less experience, uh, who is, you know, someone like myself who does it on their own. Maybe it starts Mm -hmm. as a hobby and it becomes more and more professional over time. It really is amazing how that sometimes can be more impactful than what is being done in a studio. When I went to film school, you know, I, I had this very interesting teacher in college and one thing that he said to the students that I don't think the school would very much like him to said, to say to everyone is he reminded the students that you might be at one of the top 20 film schools in the nation. But let me tell you right now, there's always someone in the world, not just the country, but the world, who is making a film better than yours for cheaper and in a faster time. And he said that, and I just remember like the entire room, this 100-person auditorium. It wasn't an auditorium. It was a theater. This 100-person theater just falling silent like that yeah, sudden kind of
2: a Debbie, Down, Debbie Downer statement
1: <laughs> oh my god totally humbling too because you're in this film school you really work to make it and there's yeah. so much you know there's a big right. mountain to climb yeah
2: right. I mean in some ways there is a level playing field and that's one of the reasons why and in some ways there's not but in some ways there is and I think like TikTok is a perfect example of that right? Right. Um, you've got people that are now getting sponsorships from major companies and corporations like beer companies, like Miller, you know, and this is just a 20 something year old girl that lip syncs to comedians and (laughs) does Miller beer in her hand. And all of a sudden she's like posting, Hey, having a meeting with Miller and they're, they're sponsoring her. Like that has never been able to happen before in the history of media. So there that's what I mean by it's a nearly level playing field. So I, that's one of the reasons that I really focus when I'm working with people to be authentic, really who they are, not who they think people want them to be. And it sounds like, oh well yeah, that'd be really easy. And it's actually not because sometimes people, like I said, I work with successful people that are missing something. And when I said it's that identity, it's because they have taken on what they think their identity should be and sometimes have forgotten, who they were born and designed to be. That's the authentic self, that if you are in alignment with what your design is and in alignment with what you're passionate about, and you go out there and you just celebrate it and have fun and focus, that actually can have much more pull and charisma than somebody that is sitting at a fancy studio and trying to be something that they're not.
1: Well said. And that is, by the way, an incredible transition to talk about your upcoming podcast that you are currently working on,
0: Um,
2: Yes.
1: I would like you to introduce what is the Unbridled Life podcast. What is that?
2: Oh, yes. I've been threatened to do this now for over two years. So um, now I'm just pulling the trigger. And it's funny because what I just said about an even playing ground is coming into play for me because I want to do, I seek to do the highest quality working in television all those years. I want to dive in and have this incredible studio and just like, you know, have it gangbusters from the very beginning realistically as you know that's not really the way to start you start you get your feet under you you get the rhythm of the show and you build some momentum it's humbling for me and i think it's a good thing for me to start where i am i do not need to have this fancy studio it was it was offered to me it's not really close to me so it would require me to make day trips up and schedule people to come in five or six shows in a day. And, and it's not that I couldn't do it, but realistically income does not come from a podcast right off the bat. So, you know, from a business perspective, it makes more dollars and cents to start with something simple. So that's what I have decided to do. I'm like, I'm going to do what I'm doing and I'm going to do it in a simple fashion. And just, like I said, enjoy it. That's exactly what I just said. In fact, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to pull in people that I'm passionate to hear their stories. Unbridled Life is really about stories. It's about people that have overcome incredible circumstances, whether it was that they were raised in a cult and have sold their first business for several million dollars, which nobody ever thought they could do. If they had started off working as a sex worker on the street, addicted to drugs, and now are running an academy for people to better their lives and transform their lives. And, and they're doing amazingly well and building exponentially onto their business. She's now married um, to a wonderful guy that is her partner. Like these are the stories that are, that are coming up. There's stories of physical overcoming health, uh, achieve, you know, achieving extreme health after hardship. There's just a variety of people that are giving incredible bits of information. Even I have a whole health series that's coming up. So unbridled life, how to deal with things like one one gentleman is a menopause and premenopause expert. And that's something I never really thought of, but that's such a drastic change for a lot of women that are in the workforce. Women are working, men are working now until they're in their 70s and 80s. So women are going through this transition while they are holding positions of power and leadership. How does that affect them? How can they be their best? So there's things like this that... Unbridled Life is about really looking at what it is that's holding you back. What's keeping you tethered? What is keeping you from feeling 100% free and living in your design as I mentioned earlier?
1: Oh, I think that's a remarkable story right there. I, I think that there's a, remar- there's a lot of remarkable guests that you're going to have on your show, and I am so excited to hear it when it comes out. Has it already come out?
2: Nope. We start recording in the next week.
1: Oh, congratulations.
2: Yeah. So it's, uh, it's going to be really exciting. It's all set to go. So it's just the recording and I have enough amazing people that have said yes to being interviewed that um, I can't even believe it. I would probably, if I looked at it, I think I could be book solid until fall. Oh, what Almost a great problem over. to have. Yeah. <laughs> and I no, say
1: a great no. problem because I know for a fact that that is a lot of time taken to to do so. So congratulations on getting this podcast started. Uh,
2: thank you that's
1: that's really really incredible
2: they just got to follow me on social media and i'll be posting about it you know so um definitely i'm gonna have some fun with with uh with the teasers and stuff as we're getting ready to launch it so wonderful
1: and we will have her information in the show notes of this episode and we'll also be reminding everyone where everyone can hear her podcast at the end of this episode um with that we are going to take a quick commercial break and be right back Hey, folks, we're going to take a quick break. And before we do that, I want to emphasize the fact that because of this pandemic, Mr. Thrive Media realized that we need to do a better job at supporting small business wherever we can. So enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by, you guessed it, Mr. Thrive Media, a multimedia company that specializes in positive impact networking events and engaging podcast content. We work with a wide pool of entertainers and business owners alike to help them stand out using our connections and podcast content. We build brands, distribute stories that need to be heard, and alleviate the stress that comes with not being able to work against your competitors in the online market. Is that of interest to you? Contact Chaz at MrThrive.com. Hey, Thrivers. Do you hear a certain difference in quality? That's because this podcast quality is made possible by Squadcast. Virtual recordings have become easier than ever with Squadcast's studio-quality SaaS remote recording platform. This cloud-based technology secures your files and minimizes post-production for all podcast producers. And I should know because I am one. Heighten the experience of your podcast by clicking the link in the show notes below.
0: This podcast is a Mr. Thrive Media production. Mr. Thrive Media builds communities through its content marketing and networking events. During this pandemic, our dedicated team commits to the value of connection by producing podcast content while extending a helping hand towards artists and entertainment professionals. Mr. Thrive Media puts its values first by supporting small businesses and empowering emerging artists. For more information, visit www.mrthrive.com. That's mrthrive.com.
1: And we are back. We are speaking today with Sandra D. Robinson. Sandra D. Robinson, as we established before, has had the chance to work with, to, to collaborate in a variety of different ways with Halle Berry, but more so, uh, has an entire daytime TV cable experience from the past. She yeah, did modeling and still is in contact with her manager. Today, she runs uh, an entire leadership and communications coaching business that also uh, works with horses of all animals. And I think that's just so neat. It's so beautiful. I really want to go on that retreat one day. Just putting the plug in there. I'm just saying. But yeah. then the main thing as well that we've currently gone over is that her podcast, Unbridled Life, is coming out very soon. Uh, By the time this episode releases, it should be available on all platforms. Not to mention, uh, uh, you can follow her social media handles, which will be in the show notes of this episode. Now, Sandra, where are you from?
2: Originally, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is very Midwestern.
1: Wonderful. How did you like growing up in Pittsburgh? What is Pittsburgh like?
2: Well, I didn't know anything else, but I have to say I'm very grateful that I did. I went straight from there to New York City and instantly realized that I was more of a country girl than I was a city girl. I'm grateful I lived in New York City for as long as I did. What was the but moment
1: had... you realized that you were a country girl?
2: Um, I felt that there was an energy in New York, which some people, if it, if it fits their energy, they love it, right? They, they thrive on that. My energy did not click with the chaos that I found New York to be. It was very loud. There was a lot of noises. I didn't, I didn't hear my birds. You know, I grew up finding my truth in being outside with wildlife. And that was where I spent most of my time because I was born 14 years after my closest sibling. And my mother really didn't care to spend time with me. Didn't really want me around. So I would be outside a lot. And that's where I got really comfortable with nature and got fascinated with Animal species and animal communication and all of that stuff. That's really when it started. I was really, really young. And so when I got to New York City, none of that was really accessible. I remember thinking how lucky I was that I had this apartment, which in retrospect from a New York perspective was an amazing apartment. But all I remember thinking was, thank God I have a balcony. It was actually a fire escape, but I would sit out there because there was a little area behind my building where there was a tree and there were birds in the tree and that was actually like that was my that was my savior uh there was my my saving grace is to be able to sit on my fire escape and hear the birds
1: i can imagine that little uh that little tiny bit of evidence of of nature kind of brings you back for sure and it's funny because you're talking about animal communication uh back home from where you're from but now you're in new york and the only animal communication you could possibly Uh, elude, it must be when you're trying to hail a taxi. Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly.
1: Even though New York wasn't a very natural place, you know, it's the concrete jungle. It's no longer, um, it's, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore, so to speak. Right. You know, it must have been an incredible growth period for you. What were some of the ways that you saw yourself changing in that time?
2: Uh, Being responsible for myself. It, I mean, I went straight from my parents' house to the job in on NBC. So, and how young were so, you? Just turned 18, yeah. So, and I was a very young 18. Like mentally, I would say I was pretty sheltered. I was not worldly at all. Very Midwest, you know, had no clue. Showed up in New York City with my white granny boots. I mean, I just had no clue.
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> if there was... Oh yeah. What
2: uh, were you saying? No, I just like I I had absolutely no clue showing up in New York City with my white granny boots and my white clothes and it's New York City for heaven's sakes. Like everybody's in black. What was I thinking? So I learned a lot about style. <laughs> Thank goodness. Because when I started working, they instantly would sew things to my body. Like I never knew that you that you didn't have to buy things off a rack, that you could have things tailored. Like I really had no clue that any of this stuff was even available. It wasn't part of my life growing up. The fact that I could make my own money other than just a few dollars here and a few dollars there, which I was getting from modeling, like I was getting substantial paychecks and I had to open up accounts. And I really, you know, probably mentally I was more like 14. So I had a huge learning curve when I, when I went up there, but it was great for me because I also started probably because I was an actor as well, but I find that we as actors will study people and behavior just without even being told to, we just do. Cause I think it's interesting. And I noticed that a lot of the people that were older that lived in New York city were rather grumpy. And that was actually one of the things that I made me decide that I didn't want to stay there for too long. I didn't want to be grumpy.
1: That makes sense. And it, you know, I, I even experienced that my first time coming to New York uh, today, you know, maybe I, I think I went to New York, uh, 2013 2014 Uh around there Uh my first time in that city my only time that i've ever been in that city the one thing i noticed as a californian i'm very used to as soon as i make eye contact with someone i i grin i smile and i nod my head as a hello like oh look we've we've made eye contact hello stranger and they just do not do that there it's a very different vibe when you get to new york
2: you say hello they clutch their their, their pocketbook closer it's like
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's right Now, if there was one thing you could tell a younger Sandra Robinson, what would you tell her?
2: So many things, but I don't want to, I don't want to sound cliche by saying it. So let me put it this way. You are not who people say you are. You are who God says you are. And when somebody asked me, what's the best advice you can give? That's what I said. Do not believe that you are who people say you are. Whether they're insulting you and bullying you or whether they're telling you that you are the best. Do you see what I'm saying?
1: How do you know you what, what I'm yeah, I do. How, how do you know what God is telling you to be?
2: Remember what I said about relationship? <laughs> that, that's a relationship. So in in my world, there is a relationship with my higher power. I call it God, Jesus. People have different ways of communicating. I find a lot of my information comes when I'm quiet and I even teach about this when we do the retreats with the horses because intuition is something that's available to everyone and some call it a download or the gut feeling that they make decisions with in business. What's interesting thing is that when I have a lot of these successful women that show up and I say, how does your intuition come to you? There's usually a third to a half of them that say, I don't have access to that. I don't have that. And it's because in the corporate world, the word intuition from a female has been poo-pooed. It's been, don't say that. That's not, we don't use that. We need analytics. We need facts. We need figures. The funny thing is the men that run the top Fortune 500 companies have been interviewed over and over again. And they always say, in fact, just today, just today, I was listening to a gentleman like this and they said, how do you make decisions? And he goes, of course, and specifically they said, how do you make decisions of who to partner with? And he said, well, I look at analytics. And he went through all the stuff that you would expect. He goes, and then I go to my gut. That's intuition. That's intuition. And so when a lot of these um, ladies show up and they say, I don't have access to that, I have to help them remember how they access it. And that starts with them actually choosing their equine partner, choosing the horse that they're going to work with. And sometimes that takes a long time. Because they walk around going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I'm like, yes, you do. You do know. If you look at this horse, does it feel light or heavy to work with him? Does this feel light or heavy? Like we go really, we try a bunch of different approaches to get somebody to go, oh, yeah, I do feel something that does feel right. Because that's a huge thing that we as human beings have access to is that intuition. It's that sense of knowing above and beyond ourselves. And that is the relationship with self. So if a big piece of a relationship is missing in the relationship with yourself, that's a little tough to feel like you're leading from a really strong place. Uh,
1: that, that that really, it does. It sounds like a really magical experience when, when you're going forward and choosing which horse, right. You're going you're yeah. to pursue this retreat yeah. with, and I can totally get that sense of the gut. I can relate that to sales in the sense that when you're taught anything in sales, um, one of the key factors they kind of bring up to you in business is that most people, when the sales call starts, make their decision within the first five minutes Mm -hmm. of talking with the person. Mm -hmm. Even though there's an entire hour-long conversation to be had, should you be in that step in the sales process, right? Right. I think that's fascinating. And I think that it makes, it, it kind of brings into perspective, I'm sure not just for myself, but for other people, what that gut feeling might be. Have you ever encountered in your work, I'm sure this might be a very naive question, but people that naturally ignore?
2: Oh, that was me. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell you about that. I think everybody has ignored it at some point. And a good example of that, and I'll ask this even when I'm speaking, and I get a ton of hands that go up, especially if I'm speaking to coaches or teachers or consultants, right? And I'll say, okay, so how many of you have ever brought somebody into your business as a client? And as you're signing them and having the conversation, your gut's going, don't do it, don't do it. But you're thinking, man, I got to make my numbers this month. I have to make the revenue that I said I was going to make. I'm going to sign this person and that'll get me there. And you succumb even though your gut is saying no and hands go up. I said, were they not the biggest waste of your time? And everybody usually cracks up because yes, they were the ones that want things for free. They're the ones that don't do the work. They're the ones that suck you dry so that when you're done with the, with the phone call that you do your coaching with them or whatever, you are absolutely exhausted, right? It's like, that's it. That's you ignoring your intuition. And I say, if I'm with the ladies, I go, ever go out with a guy that you knew was going to be bad news. And sure enough, he proved it to you. And they're like, yep. I'm like that's your intuition. Those are the things that you you will override your own intuition. I have done it. My hand is first one up. Yes, I've done that.
1: And I, I I'll admit I was asking that question a bit presumptively because I too have done that, whether it was in romance mm-hmm. before, I've done that mm-hmm. with uh, certain business co- uh, collaborations before I've done that yeah. I don't know it's, yeah. it's 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 kind of funny, but you know one thing I tell a lot of people um, in in the business setting, I don't think I talk about it much here in the podcast uh, is that. I, this is the opposite experience where I originally was reticent, but something in my gut told me to do this and it's been one of the best decisions I've ever been made in my life. You know, way, way back in the day, those who have been listening to this podcast since the very beginning know that this podcast was just a podcast. there was no business around it. The, it was original, this podcast was originally called um, Mr. Thrive's Stars of Tomorrow right? Which is a terrible name because it's way, way too long. I'll I'll renounce that original creative decision of mine (laughs) to the day I die. But, (laughs) you know, those who remember the name of that podcast, you know, were a part of this experience when my dad came along and he said to me, you know, I really like what you're doing with your podcast. I want a podcast too, but I want to make it about small business. And my first reaction was, ugh, I don't want to work for you. Are you kidding me? I've worked for you so many times in my life. This sounds like it's going to be a terrible idea. But it was one of the best things I ever agreed to do because I, he became my first client and I became his first client. Now he's a business coach.
2: Oh, that's awesome. What a great thing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really this wonderful symbiotic relationship that I have. Uh, with my father and his business. And, and, you know, I think my mom has played a part in that too, in the sense that, you know, she encouraged this. And, you know, she has brought a lot of, you know, I think perspective to when, you know, we're in business mode versus personal father son mode. And, you know, there's, there's a really nice balance that we have with my family in that regard. Um, so when you talk about um, that kind of relationship between uh, what you're doing in that moment versus you know, what your gut is telling you you. and that relationship that you have in this case, as we say with God, that, that definitely resonates with me. Let me ask you this though. God. And, you know, you said you mentioned Christianity before these seem like kind of integral parts of your life that impact you today. How does that, how does that impact you?
2: Decision-making for sure. Who I align with, it actually has become so much easier I am not a fan of, I mean, I I instantly know from certain language that people use. And it's not always like, whether it's Christian or not, it's not necessarily that. I'm going to say in general, I think that I've been studying language very specifically for quite a while. And I think that I have much less of a problem saying no to somebody if the languaging that they're using is not something that is in alignment with me so somebody that says oh just ask your higher self that kind of says to me right there that they think that everything stops with them that's a big red flag for me uh what is my higher self well you know like <laughs> no i i don't know and and if i if i you know seek to have more relationship i'll ask them about it and i'm open to listening to what it is that they're what they're talking about, it's not that I instantly go. I'm going to walk away from you. I will walk away from somebody that uses foul language, or um, judgmental, racial, you know, something like that. I will instantly walk away from those people. And there was a time when I was not so discerning, and I did not lean on my faith. I wasn't far, far, far in that journey, and so. If somebody did use language that was kind of offensive, but they had connections, I would again not listen to what my gut was telling me. I totally overrode that and I would hang out in those circles and usually felt awful. Nothing good ever came from it for me because that wasn't where I was actually designed to be. So I think by tuning into, instead of saying, this is great. Somebody said recently, instead of saying, God, why is this happening? Whatever situation it is that you find yourself in. Say what, what do you want me to do? And then wait for the answer. Mm. And so I've learned patience. (laughs) Sure. Because I am a lot like the women that I work with. I spent so much time running, 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 go, go, go one thing to the next. Yes to everything. Let's just be everywhere at all times, be available, say yes. And to the point that you're exhausted. And if you're exhausted, push yourself a little bit more because things have to get done. And I now realize that's not the healthiest way to lead your business, to lead other people, to lead your family. So I have learned that. And the way I learned that was by pushing myself so hard that I would jokingly say, God shot me down because I would get sick. And then I'd be down.
1: You would push yourself so much that you got sick. (laughs)
2: You're down and you can't do something for a week. You know, if you had COVID, you're down for a week to two weeks and, and you just feel lousy. And you know what? Your business does not crumble. The sky does not fall. So I think there are those times when it seems like nothing is happening, that God's actually trying to get our attention. That's how I think ultimately it has changed the way I look at what I do and who I choose to be around and how I lead my day.
1: That's amazing. Now, were you introduced to Christianity at a young age, or was this something newfound that comes more in the state that you are in today?
2: This is a touchy subject. (laughs) Because what I'm about to say is I was introduced to religion at a young age. I was taken to church, and I would get in trouble because I asked the why question a lot why do we do this? Why do we pray to that person? Why? And, um, I was usually told just, you know, just shut up and we do it this way. And I, that wasn't good enough for me. So interestingly enough, I think like a lot of people organized religion did nothing but confuse me and send me further away from what I was looking for. Cause I think I was always looking for that relationship, for that connection, for, the thing that was going to ground me, I guess, but I didn't know that that's what it was. It just felt like I was always looking for something. And some people do that and they get into lifestyles that are kind of harsh, whether it's drugs or alcohol, and they're looking for something. They're looking for that thing. I fortunately never, I think I was just too much of a sissy to ever really go too far off the rails on that. But I made other bad choices, bad crowds that I hung around with, you know, people that really were not, um, high on the integrity scale, I guess you could say. And it, it took me a while to actually realize, and I tried a lot of different things. I investigated on my own, a lot of different beliefs. I love the native American beliefs that are based on nature. Cause of course that's, I got that, you know, to me, God is nature. That's what he creates He creates a beautiful painting for us every morning and every night when we have sunrise and sunset, there's beautiful things that happen. And life in nature is all about expansion. We're the only ones that can make ourselves play small nature. The the way of nature is expansion. So that is something that also makes me think God is in that. So the Native American stuff I really resonated with. I thought it was beautiful. I still think it's beautiful. I think I might have told you the story of, of how I, as they say, came to Christ, right? I was sitting at a really horrible time in my life, and I felt like so much had been broken and stripped away from me. It was a very, very difficult time for me. And I was sitting with a pastor who said to me, Would you like gave me this like wonderful? breakfast and chatted with me. And then in the end, he says, would you like to accept Christ as your savior? And I said, very unglamorously, sure what the hell nothing else has worked. That is proof that God meets you wherever you are. Because that was actually how I answered him. It seems disrespectful. It seems angry. And I was all of those things. And I woke up the next day and said, look, I'm still in the same situation. I still don't have any money in my account. I still am living in this dirty back room of somebody else's house because I had to give up my apartment and my cars. And, you know, it was a horrible time for me. I still don't have a boyfriend. So nothing has changed. And within a few months, all of that changed. But it didn't happen overnight. And it didn't, I, I wasn't like super spiritual. But I was open to looking in that direction.
1: And how young and so, were you?
2: Late twenties, twenty. 20? Mm, let me think. Maybe thirty. Pretty much thirty. Yeah, yeah. So it was. It literally that was where I was. What the hell? Nothing else has worked. And you know, I tell you, guide me to wherever you are because it's not. So, Apparently, at some point, somebody tapped God on the shoulder and goes, hey, hey, she woke up. She woke up. Go, go tend to her. <laughs> wow. She's asking for you. She's not nicely asking for you, but she's asking. So go over there and show her who you are. And then, you know, things started to shift and change and drastically change after a good year or so. And the people that I was around changed greatly. I said goodbye to a lot of what I used to call friends. Oh, wow. And got real friends.
1: I mean, that's a painful transition, but it's so important to do when you sever the ties of those who are holding you down or at least distance yourself. Maybe not sever, but yes. distance. And then yes. go into that that next phase of your life, that opening that chapter. I, I definitely had that experience. Uh, so I can very much relate. It wasn't a, it wasn't a religious mm-hmm. experience for me, but mm-hmm. sometimes religion is the catalyst for that. So I think something like yes. that must have been inevitable. And I'm so glad that you had your Uh, come to Christ moment.
2: (laughs) As unglamorous as it
1: was. (laughs) As glamorous as it was, you know. I think that's really, really special. And it really is uh, wonderful how on an individual level, religion can, you know, impact a person and turn their life upside down. And you hear all the time, you know, people who have uh, overcome addictions with religion. You hear all the time about people who uh, have gotten out of their uh, aggressive habits, whether that be abuse or whether that be, uh, you know, verbal degradation of other people because of religion. And um, I think that's the part that it plays here. And it's very clear with the way that you carry yourself, Sandra, that um, you don't just practice being a good person, but that you follow your gut in this intuitive way that is really beautiful and meaningful and has a lot of heart behind what you do. So I want to commend Thank you. you for that. Thank
2: you. And I just, you know, I, I need to clarify because I still cringe a little bit. And I don't know how this is going to sit with some of your listeners. I still cringe a little bit with the word religion. Sure. Because organized religion, I think, has turned so many people away, even recently. And it makes me very sad. So if I say to somebody, oh, I'm Christian, and I see this immediate recoil, I have a pastor friend who, who, when he sees that, he says, I'm sorry for what the church has done to you. And they turn around, they're like, so amazed that he would even say that because he's a pastor. And and they said, well, yeah, I grew up and this is what I experienced in my church, you know. And usually it was something that they were either judged or somebody, there was some judgment, there was something going on that really was not in alignment with, with God, you know. It, it is still an organization of man and it is going to be flawed. So I like to say that it is that relationship. Do I believe the church is powerful? Yes, because it's a community and there is security there. If I ever need anything, I have a whole community of people. We are founders in a small church here in Austin. And so, not the not the founders, let me, we are the founding partners. <laughs> it's not our church, but it is our church in a way. And so I can definitely say that there is a family feeling there. And there's a community there. And I think that's hugely important. So I still still have that. And maybe it's something I need to work on. I still have that little thing in my gut that when somebody says religion, I almost feel like I have to defend myself and clarify.
1: Right. Maybe the R word is not religion, but the R word is relationship. And that just sounds so important for what you are kind of building with your current life, your personality, and to a, a certain degree, your brand. Yes. And I have so much respect for, for it, yes. for sure. Sandra, thank you. if someone listening to this podcast right now wanted to get a hold of you, wanted to listen to the Unbridled Life podcast, wanted to follow your socials, what is the best way they can reach you?
2: First thing to do is, I would say, Google me, but no. <laughs> no, we'll come up. We'll come up. Go to com. That's a great starting point. You can find the podcast there. You can find links to all social media from there. And, uh, you can find the blogs on there. So there's actually an awful lot that you can find. You can actually find the horse uh, retreats and everything there. So that is, if you're curious about any of those things, it's the best place to go. And Sandra D is spelled out D E E like Sandra D from Greece. So it's Sandra D You can also find me on, um, everything from LinkedIn, Instagram, um, Facebook. I do have a Facebook group. Entitled "The Unbridled" Sandra D's Unbridled Life. There's a few unbridled lives, so it's Sandra D's Unbridled Life, and um, I'll send you the link to that so you can actually put that in some of the information here from the show.
1: Wonderful! All that information will be displayed in the show notes of this episode. And finally, Sandra, the question I ask everybody, everybody, on this podcast: What will you be famous for?
2: Oh. <laughs> huh. Oh, wow. Introducing people to who they're designed to be through nature.
1: Sandra D. Robinson, everyone. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. It's been a real privilege to have you here.
2: Thank you. It's been really fun. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening. This podcast releases bi-weekly on Fridays. To attend one of our networking events, visit the registration link in the show notes or go to www.mrthrive.com. Would you like to be a guest on our show? Email chaz at mrthrive.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top
2: business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.